Welcome back to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. I mean, we're about to go on a bit of a dizzying trip. (laughs) Part two of Alex's story covers a lot of ground. Healthcare, climate change, trying to unionize in tech, um, and so-called plastic shamanism, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) No wonder he found his way to the Sanders campaign. (laughs) Uh, Quick note, somehow I messed up and accidentally deleted the last bit of our interview because I'm a professional and know what I'm doing. Um, So I'll fill in the details about where he is currently in life at the end. My bad, y'all. year younger than me so you were like a senior in college like mm-hmm. getting all swept up in the obama thing oh yeah sure yeah definitely okay. yeah and i and i i had i had worked like all like every summer and like had done work study and um everything like that that like i i basically finished like a semester early mm-hmm. um, like all my required stuff so i just did like i just went i just went in mm. you know i just like went to the you know the like field office like every day mm. you know and i just like oh this is so that it just felt so exciting. It felt like, mm-hmm. oh man, we're actually getting to, we're actually changing things. Like I felt, I really, those, I lived those slogans, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, like hope and change we can like believe. Mm-hmm. Like I believe. Yeah, yeah, I still believe. I convinced everyone, mm-hmm. everyone around me. Mm-hmm. You became uh, the political evangelical. Totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I remember like immediately, you know, cause there's like this one like libertarian that I worked with. He's like, yo, like, look at all the people he's hired, like, like you know, uh, Bernanke yeah. and, like, uh, Timothy, what? Uh, Geithner. Geithner is, like, is such a what's up shit. with that guy? Yeah, and that's I'm like, right. uh, No, give him a second. This is, he has to well, be that. Yeah, you know, I'm just like, I'm like, oh, this is, this is horribly disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going at all like oh, I thought. This isn't the way I thought this was going to go. Mm. You know, and then, yeah, and then, you know, and then it went downhill from there. So, so then I, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> well, so so I so I graduated, um, and uh, I still wanted to I still wanted to like serve my country, but mm. not in the military. Okay, I still wanted. I'm like I'm gonna do something, but not. Because you're in- still you're still not you're not completely disillusioned at this point. No, you have no, not started still, the mourning of the myth of America. No, at this point. not at all. Okay, okay. No, I still um, believed it. I still especially especially post Obama. I'm like yeah. yes, we like, did it. We did it. You know. <laughs> First black president, like uh, new chapter in America. Yeah, like, you this know, like, means something. I mean, I'm, you know, like yeah. everyone I know is graduating with student debt and there's this housing crisis, but hey. Yeah, and then the economy. He's going to fix it. Shit. You know, because I still believe. I still yeah. believe that was the way you did I thought like, okay, like you, like every four years, you like, you like rally around a candidate. And, and you, then you, and you vote, vote and for then a fix. You vote for a fix. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. That was, that was definitely my like mm-hmm. belief at the time. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm like, okay, my job's done here. Yeah, that's right. Barry's in office. He's, He's got, got it. it, guys. I'm gonna, you know, mm-hmm. like so like, but I still want like what am I gonna do now? I'm like, I still wanna serve my country. This feels like a great time. Mm-hmm. What did 2008 mean to you? That that calamity. I didn't understand it. Sure. I did not understand what was happening in mm-hmm. the world at the time, but I knew like I believed mm-hmm. that 
there like a new day had arrived uh-huh. in the U.S. Uh-huh. Um, and so yeah, and like and I'm gonna go like apply for the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. Like because that's like I still the I this I swear this is what I believe. Like man, like the U.S. I gave like my dad like such a like you know like he he was able to like achieve so much like they gave him so much opportunity mm. that like i i need to like and i was given so much opportunity mm-hmm. i need to like give back sure you know it was like this reciprocity yeah. is the enough mm-hmm. you know it's like i was helped by like this country so i need to give back to this that country. was your thinking that was my thinking yeah, at the time i, I really did mm. um but what was were you in new york for a year while your peace corps application was being processed mm-hmm. Okay, what was what was it like moving to New York during that time as a young man working in film? Um, it was Yeah, I mean I moved there without like I I had I I had saved up enough to like make it for like a month. Mm. And I went and I and I went to like every camera house in person mm-hmm. and asked for like a paper application. Mm-hmm. And you know, had enough like just to afford like I got a sublet from a nurse like mm-hmm. who went to like Columbia, mm-hmm. like who's gone for the month of February. If I can't make it in a month, mm-hmm. then like I can't. I'm I'm just gonna have to like go back to Montana and sure, work sure, my sure. like work study job and yeah. graduate and try to figure something out. Sure. Didn't get a job in a month, so mm-hmm. I went back, shot some more films, mm-hmm. like some more student films, mm-hmm. like um, thesis films, and and graduated. But then in April or April, I got I got a job, so I huh. went back, but I didn't have any money because mm-hmm. I used it all up in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like for the first week. I would like go into like the restaurant like mm-hmm. next door mm-hmm. and like tip the like waiter to look the other way and just like eat the food that I was like left behind uh, from like you know the people yeah, left because yeah, I'm like because yeah, I because yeah. I was so so determined yeah. you know like it just wanted to make my parents proud of like I'm gonna make it without asking for like more yes. you know uh, yeah, like I did that same shit uh-huh. you know and and so like that you know so that, that was the experience and like and I moved to. Um, uh, Bed-Stuy mm-hmm. without like any understanding of mm-hmm. like, you know, like moved to Bed-Stuy mm-hmm. uh, and paid like rent. 450 um like for a seven foot by eight foot room. <sighs> that was like, uh, but it had a window. They're like, I'd, I'd seen places that like didn't have a window. Oh um, what you was know. your, what was your job that um, you got? Uh, um, a camera prep tech. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, you know, it's like 10,000 piece inventory mm-hmm. of like checking out equipment, like preparing all the camera packages and equipment for people to make like student indie like large commercial projects mm-hmm. like you know yeah vice mm-hmm. uh as like law and order svu mm-hmm. like you know beyonce music videos just like all we're the largest like independent camera house or like third largest independent camera house like there's like the main players are like ari and panavision mm-hmm. and then there's like oh gosh i'm forgetting names anyways it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. unless you're a camera geek in like new york in like <laughs> sure. 2010 mm-hmm. like doesn't matter to you but yeah so like I, yeah so i worked i was getting all these things and i was and i was starting to like moonlight too so mm. i'd like work for the camera house during the day mm-hmm. and then shoot projects on like nights and weekends mm. so i was just like hustle and grind sure sure, sure sure um and uh yeah so then and so then in april of 2010 mm-hmm. i get invited to like uh join the peace corps mm-hmm. um uh in kazakhstan mm. and i'm like uh where's kazakhstan <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, I had to go look at a map. I never yeah. heard. I never heard of that place. Right. Ever. Right. <laughs> he goes. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, so I look Alex. it up, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay, I'm going in August. I, uh, I'm I'm going to Central Asia, and I'm like, what do they speak? They speak Russian and Kazakh. Like, okay, I'm gonna start learning Russian. Wow. 
And I said, and I'm like, okay. And it's like a post-Soviet country. So mm-hmm. I started learning about like, I should probably learn Russian and communism. So yeah. like I started learning about that, but it was like from, it was written from like a Western sure. capitalist, like anti-communist. Yeah, like, propaganda. Here's all this shit, the communists. I'm like, wow, the Soviet Union. It's like, you know, because like, this this book actually like literally said is like the, the hammer and sickle is the equivalent of like the swastika. Oh, relax. That, that's that's what I read though. Sure, you know, that's sure, my introduction. Sure, sure. That's like you know, it's like the only audio book I could like find at the library. Mm. You know, and I start <laughs> I start learning Russian. Mm-hmm. I go over there. Meanwhile, like, so I go, I, you know, pack up two bags, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna move to like Kazakhstan for like uh, two years. Mm-hmm. You know, t- two years and three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and right right around then time too was like Borat came out, which is yeah. just like bane <laughs> of my existence because. It was filmed in Romania. Mm-hmm. The whole film's like a satire about how ignorant Americans are. Yeah. But Kazakhs heard of it and they're like, why did you, why did Americans make movie about our country right. that isn't about our country and he drinks like horse piss? Right. And I'm like, it's, uh, but like, again, I, I don't speak, you know, like, and like my Kazakh is so elementary sure. at the time. I'm like, um, Americans dumb, yeah. not Kazakh. Yeah. Americans, you know, that's like the extent of like how I could explain it at the time. That's and right. I'm like, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm embarrassed. Right. It's not about you, it's that's about right. us. Please um, don't stone me, I yeah, promise was, I'm not like that. <laughs> yeah, so so like larger geopolitical context is mm. like, uh, right around that time, that's like when there's like the the great like, um, like Russian wildfires of like 2010. So like oh, 50, yeah. it was like 55,000 acres and it pretty much wiped out the entire like grain crops of like <sighs> the, of Russia at the yeah, time. Yeah. And so Russia like supplies like what, like one or two thirds of like the world's grain supply. Yeah, that's right. It's the world's bread basket. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so that meant there was food shortages, Yeah. Like grain shortages in like three or four dozen countries. Yeah. And that was around the time of the Arab Spring. That's what started the Arab yeah, Spring. It was a Tunisian uh, farmer, like food vendor. Yep. Didn't have any food to sell or any food to feed his family. That's right. And he's like, what choice do I have? And right. he took and he set, lit That's himself right. on fire. Yep. And that led the Arab Spring. That's when I arrived in Kazakhstan. Huh. Did you understand the implications of that geopolitically? Not at all. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, re- I didn't know that story uh-huh. until 2019. Huh. Okay. I had never seen that threat because that's also around the time, like um, Syria had been experiencing like mm-hmm. five years of drought. That's right. Like at that time. That's right. And so all of the rural farmers who had been for millennia yeah. farmers, yep. all of their farmland disappeared. That's and so right. they move all into the cities and then the Arab Spring happens, yeah. Yeah. you know? And so then you have, and then you have, you know, they're being used as, you know, geopolitical ponds, ponds yeah. you know? So, but I didn't have it. I didn't. And I didn't know about the fires mm-hmm. up there at the time when mm-hmm. I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know about like the Arab Spring because mm. I was in a village of 2000 people yeah. without internet or like sure. running water or like electricity, mm. you know, I mean, s- kind of consistent electricity, but like, you know, so like I'm in this remote Kazakh village, yeah. like on the Siberian tundra where it's negative 40 from October to March. Bitch, so no. I'm not, so wow. I'm, not like, I'm not really like aware of what's no, happening. No, you're trying to not freeze <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, totally. And yeah. I'm living with a what I did know when I first arrived mm. in in Kazakhstan, the first weekend I'm there. Mm-hmm. So this is a predominantly Muslim country, like 70% yep. Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um and I arrived there and it's like the first weekend we're there is when this like pastor in Florida is like burning the Quran. Oh my god. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like as a protest. And it's a, I'm like that's the first time I'm like, "Oh. Oh, that 
that's not going to go well for that. Me. That has an imp- like those actions of like yeah. what someone who's trying to make Some this dipshit dipshit. Yeah, that 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 affects my like now like I don't I my my safety and security because right. I have to answer for that even yeah. though I would never do that. Yeah, I don't believe what the fuck this guy believe who yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't you know I couldn't even ask where the bathroom was at that point. Sure. They just knew I was an American. Yeah, rolling up on their village. That's right, an infidel. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, but not but so I lived I like moved in with like the most fundamentalist like mm. Muslim family like in the village mm. and they treated me like a son. They called oh, okay. me big son. Oh, you know I mean I so I learned so much about. Like what you know, like I learned so much about Islam, yeah, 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 and like and like what a like rural like Muslim family lives like, mm-hmm. you know, a firsthand expense. And so then I saw the way that like the way that news was being portrayed. Mm. I had always been crit- critical, like my dad or um, my brother like burnt me CDs of mm. like Democracy Now, Noam Chomsky yeah. like lectures when I was in high school, but mm. I didn't. I, my brain just didn't quite absorb it get at the time but i'd always been super critical of the media sure that was actually that was the other thing too is like politically like i thought like media consolidation was the biggest issue huh like in the country that in in, that, in which country in the u.s uh, okay, like okay, i thought okay. like like the reason why like all these things are bad mm. is because people don't have like good sources of information uh-huh, uh-huh. so if we can create alternative media uh that's what info like that's what and that's yeah, so that's, that's what with like the filmmaking too you, it's like you. it's like oh yeah this huge Facet of my life that I just remember now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's like, but that, that that was like that was the influence that that was my that was my operating thing is like yeah. if people had it's just people don't have the right information. That's right. As soon as they get the right information, mm-hmm. like as soon as they get the the truth. That's right. Quote unquote. Air quotes. Then they're gonna like then they're gonna stop like like voting for the bad like doing the bad you know, like yeah. it, it's just because people don't have the right information. Mm-hmm. The Peace Corps volunteers I was a, with like an Octave were like accused of espionage ha! and being spies. Ha! Um, and they listed like the the village I lived in, the school I taught at. No. Um, yeah. And so then we, even though even though there was like a civil war and genocide happening in Kyrgyzstan, like yeah. we were evacuated like first. We yeah, were, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, so we were evacuated. Huh. Because uh, you had they had to get you out for your own safety because they were they feared that you guys would be targets. Yeah, and so like a number of volunteer, a number of female volunteers were sexually assaulted in Kazakhstan, in Kazakhstan. before mm-hmm. you guys got before evacuated. Uh-huh. That that was like one of the reasons. But you know, it's like you put someone where like the only way that they can go between villages is like through a private taxi. Yeah, that's not going to go well. You know, and so you're sending like these young, like white women, American yeah, women, yeah, like into the middle of nowhere. <sighs> you know, and. All you export are like all of this American media yeah. where like a, a you know a woman says no and the moon pushes harder and then she like capitulates. Yeah, you know? that's right. It's just like you the know, loose like, American woman. Mm-hmm, the yeah. loose American woman, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so yeah, so it's like th- so all of that comes to a head where like we're evacuated mm-hmm. and I get home mm-hmm. um, and uh, my partner at the time mm-hmm. was living in New York and I moved to New York like during Occupy Wall Street. Bro, you okay? <laughs> you know, you so lived like, eight hundred lives. Hold on, I just want to back up for a second. Did you what? What was your? What is your fondest? What are? Tell me, do you have any fond memories of Kazakhstan? And if so, oh, so many. What were some of your fondest memories of of being there? Putting on this this band called Oh my gosh, honestly, the band's name was New Villager. Um, it was like this, like is like like electro indie group from from new york mm-hmm. uh and the song was called like um lighthouse putting on that music and having my my two 
Kazakh like host sisters dance to it <laughs> and just and just like totally embrace it. Um vibes. Yeah, and just like just dancing to the music and just like man, like you know, like music can transcend like mm. all things. You know, just like just seeing like my students uh like yeah, seeing my students like learn English. I mean, cuz it's like like colonial project like like recognizing that yes now like at the time like for them it was like like a way to get out of the village yeah. and get a job yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and like to for these kids that like had you know like had been hadn't had any access like be able to like compete with like the wealthy city kids yeah. and beat them in like english competitions oh. you know which mm -hmm. like it's them it's them but like just like just having the resources like just see that like they can they have like everything capable of like learning language yeah. like you know like if they're just given yeah. like the time and the attention mm. um i mean getting getting to be you know like everywhere i went i was treated like an honored guest i mean kazakh like so prized like hospitality yeah, yeah. and so everywhere i go you know like they would like i mean you know like i would get uh you know like I don't like fed horse and a sheep's head mm. and like just the like eyeball? I, they did they give you the eyeball? I got the ear. Oh, okay. Because they wanted me to hear good news. Huh. But that made me throw up in my mouth. <laughs> like this I I ate almost everything there, but the like the gristle of the ear is like that it's cartilage. Cartilage is yeah. gross. Um because they wanted you to hear I love the way people yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like that was like yeah. the tradition, you know? Or they're just like punking you know yeah. like the foreigners oh, right that's right just to see what you get oh no totally this is because like. we want you to get news dude to we're totally gonna get in the ear um you know people would make these like you know judgments of like someone like you know like oh these poor villagers you know but it's like man they're so much happier that's right they but, have a rich life compared to like yeah. the emptiness of yeah a lot of yeah modern american life. so much of it's like family centered mm -hmm. you know it's like it's so revolved like in the family you know, like the family lives together and like just spending time with like it's a warm. family yeah mm -hmm. you know it's like i i look back on so much of yeah that that was like one of the most life-changing like thing, experiences of my life do you keep like, in touch with your kazakh family yeah oh, good. yeah good are they doing all right yeah they're yeah i mean i haven't it's uh my kazakh has like fallen off mm -hmm. you know it's so, like i i have to use like i mean kazakh wasn't part of google translate when i went over there <laughs> so like um that's right so now you know i kind of like i'm able to do things and i'm, I'm able to send the messages and we call like was I need to I need to keep in better contact, but it's like it's hard. To do. It's hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, um, mm. but yeah, it's uh, yeah, just being treated like family. Yeah, you know, and the, and the fact that like all of our cultural differences aside, that they like they loved me and they took care of me like family. Mm. You know, that's like that's what I remember. Just like our capacity and just how much alike we are. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, like yeah. the way a mom bickers with her son, mm -hmm. or the way like a mother holds their daughter mm -hmm. like lovingly. That's like. That is like universal universal human experience. Mm -hmm. So that that just I'm like, oh man, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. Like this, like all these differences are just manufactured yeah, and constructed right. because like we all relate to like any place you go, we relate to each other like the same. That's way. right. How much time were you supposed to? I was supposed to be there another spend... nine months. So and I just rate I was like five hundred dollars away from fulfilling a grant, like mm -hmm. raising enough money for a grant mm -hmm. to get every kid in the school mm -hmm. a like uh, a new textbook. Huh. And, and, and they had... called us on a Wednesday and they told us we had to be gone on Sunday. Hi. And so I, and I just spent a year building all these relationships, building trust. That was the other thing. Hmm. That was the other thing that it taught me mm -hmm. was like, I had such a Western imperial mindset going, I'm like, I'm going to come in and Save I know, I know people. what these people need. Yeah, that's right. And I would, they're just like, 
shut up, drink tea, yeah. and like listen. listen. Yeah, and that it that taught me how to listen. Ah, ah, ah. That taught me how to listen because mm. I thought like I you know that's because that's kind of what you're programmed to do. Yeah. Like, as a volunteer too, it's like yeah. oh you need to go and do all these programs and do all this reporting mm. and all these things. Um, it's like oh no, I have to like listen to the elders. That's right, and, and be a part of the community. Yeah, yeah, and listen to like what they need, not yeah. tell them that's what they correct. need. That's correct. You know correct. that's what that's what that taught me. Mm. What sure. how do how did your how did your host family make sense of the fact that you had to leave so quickly? Um, we weren't supposed to tell them. You're just supposed to dip one day? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not tell them in advance. Mm -hmm. Why? Security protocol. Are you serious? Like, but what, didn't yeah. that feel disrespectful? It is. Oh, I told them. Oh, I told okay. them, but okay. we, weren't, we were instructed not to. I see. We, we weren't supposed to tell anyone. Were they sad? Were they shocked? Were they confused? Oh, yeah. My, I mean, yeah, they wept. They wept. Mm. I mean, this, this was my family. Because yeah. they expected me there for at least another nine years. Yeah. And I was nine even months. talking about ex nine months. <laughs> and I was even expecting to extend for another two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I felt, I felt like there was so much that, yeah. you know, like I just kind of got in the language. Yeah. That had to be just uh, extremely jarring, like going from a rural Kazakh village with a fundamentalist Muslim host family that you loved, leaving early, not of your own volition, to have to come back to Yeah, telling my states. students, all of them crying, like oh. all of them thinking it was their fault. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That, like it's... they weren't doing their homework no, and that's why I was leaving. You know, like and just trying, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah and how were they was, supposed to understand? Like this is... It's so painful. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was deeply, deeply painful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I try to be really careful like with using this term, but like, yeah, it was traumatizing. Sure. It was like trauma. In that, sure, sure, you know, sure, sure, it, sure. It's, uh, it was like a very activating, grief-stricken process. Of course. You know, that, um, yeah, that made me heart sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. It was heartbreaking. Mm. So what was, how did you navigate being heart sick and like traumatized and just, I don't know, just a bowl of emotions getting back to the states and and particularly getting back to the states in the middle of occupy in new york like what was yeah so that's the thing i was i was so mired in my like that experience Grief, that like yeah. i didn't you know but they i remember my host fire before leaving is like what's going on in america mm -hmm. there's like there's like all these there's these protests mm -hmm. there's like things i'm like i don't know i didn't i didn't i didn't hear i was so i i was you know, because I didn't have like access to internet, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and like I couldn't understand like the Kazakh TV like yeah. that well, yeah. And I wasn't following the news; I was like just following like what was happening in our little like Kazakh sure. Peace Corps Kazakhstan world. But I remember mentioning like, "There's," it sounds like people are like revolting or something. Hmm. You know, there's, like, like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I got back and um, yeah, like I I thought like my my partner at the time mm -hmm. was like living in New York, mm -hmm. and so I just like came back. I came back really sick. Like with like some ill, you know, some illness. Sure. Um, you know, like a, a bad flu or something, mm -hmm. like some type of bug. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's like I'm gonna move to New York to be with my partner. Mm -hmm. Um, so drove back to New York. Um, Whoa, wait, drove you from landed? Colorado. Oh, okay, I, I, yeah, because you had to return to like where you departed from. Got you. And I like, I moved. I moved back to Colorado Springs mm -hmm. prior to like going to going to New York. Okay, New York. gotcha. Um, yeah, so I drove from Colorado Springs to New York. Um, and, uh, I'm like, yeah, I, I just need to get a job yeah. right away. You know, that's like, I didn't, um, and I kind of, I like, I didn't really know what was going on. I wish I did at the mm -hmm. time, but I was so like, I'm just like, I just need to go back to work. I didn't, I really didn't know what was going on. Sure. I was living in New York city. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, you weren't paying attention. You weren't following it that closely. Mm -mm. Okay. I got you. No, uh. I wasn't. Um, and uh 
And yeah, so I just immediately got a job at um, at the School of Visual Arts, which mm-hmm. is like a private arts college, mm-hmm. um, in um, doing kind of what I did before. Because mm-hmm. uh, my thing was like, I want to be a film, like I want to teach film. Yeah, I love teaching so much. Mm-hmm. I like learned from like being in Kazakhstan, like how much I loved being a teacher. Ah, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, so went back and I got a job there and it was um, it was for live action short film. It was like, first <laughs> it was narrative um, and then moved over to uh, the social documentary film department. Mm. Um, and you were a, you were a, res- a filmmaker and resident or a teacher? Um, I was like- Or an the, adjunct. I was the kind of adjunct. It was like, I was in charge of the labs. So like mm. I was, um, I was like a lab. It was just a way so that like the school didn't have to pay. Like sure. more, you know, like I was, I was the equipment manager mm-hmm. who taught the students how to use the equipment. Ah, but I, I didn't get like you didn't get paid extra for mm-hmm. the. T- I got you. I got yeah, you, I, I taught labs. Mm-hmm. I taught labs. I was teaching at a university. Yeah, but I was only, you know, I was doing the job of like the equipment manager, like the maintenance and like the lab instructors, like doing like three You're different jobs. Hyper exploited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And during the time, uh, my partner, uh, you know. Who we were, we were engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, they had been, they had been like coughing blood mm. and had like their. You about to say something real wild? Go ahead. What happened? Yeah, they they had been like so they they um they had just graduated with 120k in student loans, <gasps> and they were um, trying to get a public service loan forgiveness. Yeah. Um, so they're working at a nonprofit, making less than 30k um, as York. like a social worker. Yeah, yeah. basically um, working with uh, uh, people with developmental disabilities, and and had uh, like a, the most basic HMO plan where you get to see like primary care once a year. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, and so it went and you know like you know they had um, they were gaining all this weight, mm-hmm. um, constant like seem it seemed like constant IBS weight gain, like shoes, like shoe sizes growing uh-huh. and um, coughing blood Ugh. and went to the doctor and the doctor's like, eh, air's dirty in New York. That was like <laughs> what they told. And so I'm like, that's unacceptable. That's correct. That's not a, like, we need to get a second opinion. She's like, we can't afford it. I'm like, okay, but I know we're supposed to get married in May mm-hmm. of 2013, mm-hmm. but like, let's get, a, let's, let's become domestic partners mm-hmm. in November of 2012 yeah. so that you can get on my, yes. my school. Cause my school had like a great PPO plan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. the best kind of private healthcare you can sure. get as a working class person. Sure. Um, so enrolled and then January. So they got the first appointment they could with a pulmonologist yeah. and just by like, you know, grace of God, it was like someone who had seen it before, uh-huh. um, they found a tumor the size of a tennis ball and they're like left lower lobe. Oh. Um, and so they got, but they got x-rays, but it was like, it was also had been, it was like right behind their heart. So it couldn't Ooh. be seen until like it grew bigger than like, like the heart. The heart. Aye, um, aye, aye. So the first doctor we went to said like, yeah, they got three months to live. Like you probably should just cancel your wedding and um, yeah, we're going to do surgery, uh. but it's like, you know, cause he saw, he saw it as like a, a, Typical lung cancer. Uh-huh. And they actually had a rare form of lung cancer. It was like a neuroendocrine tumor. Uh-huh. So it's basically, she was like basically going through menopause, like at age like 25. Because like the tumor was secreting all of its own hormones in the endocrine system. Oh. So that's why it was like all of her hormones were jacked. Um, oh, and that's why the weight gain. Weight gain. And, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, but so like the, her lung, it like had actually like was starting to like, um, her, her basically her whole like left lower lobe like had like atrophied and just like what because it wasn't inflamed because yeah. the, the tumor, tumor grown so there. like yeah. 
um, yeah, did that. And so, you know, I started talking to like, uh, like, uh, this patient advocacy group yeah. that like other people that had the super rare disease and uh -huh. they knew of this one doctor Ooh. in this one place that like, you know, is like, was an expert in it. And uh -huh. it was like Vanderbilt, um, in Ingram Tennessee. in Tennessee. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and thank you know, like, and I called and it was like, and you know, insurance was just denying it, denying it, denying it. Yeah. Um, and then they finally like, um, but they were, it was in network. It was yeah. in network, but they were denying, mm. like, the, they, they weren't pre-authorizing it. Yeah. Um, and so just fighting, fighting, fighting. Ugh. I was like spending like eight hours a day, like while the insurance was on, like yeah. on the phone, trying yeah. to like get a second opinion. Yeah. And then like doing my full-time job. So I'd like get home at 10 o'clock. And, and so it just came up like right before, like, and then I found out like, oh shit. So like they have, like, they're going to go in for the surgery, mm -hmm. but like we're domestic partners. Yeah. And so that means that like either I have to use up my like all my vacation and sick leave uh -huh. and then go back to work and leave them whatever state they're in. Yeah. Or I go with them and lose my job and then we lose their health insurance. Jesus God. And so uh -huh. I'm, and it's like, I'm like, so my friend who was in the Peace Corps was working for the Department of Labor. Yeah. And was able to message like the only other option is like you get married. Yeah. So I go home at 10 o'clock. I'm like, hey, we got to get married tomorrow. Ooh. So we just go in before work. Uh -huh. Usually there's a 24 hour waiver and get married. Yeah. So that, so that. I can qualify for the Family Medical FMLA. Leave Act. Ah, uh -huh. so, so that th you have enough time to take off to help your partner at the time coalesce after surgery. Yes. Without having to fear losing your job. Yes. So do that, and the you know, and so then I you know like that I'm like, oh, this is this is what like non hetero like hetero couples have to deal with. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I I knew stuff was messed up, but mm -hmm. like until it happens to you, like right. so many people, it's like. Oh, this is this is what this. This means. is how fucked up. The yeah, system I might you know I I'd known from my from my mom. She was always just like, just like in tears over health insurance. Yes, you know, like growing up, like especially uh -huh. with like my mental health stuff. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. And my dad being self employed, mm -hmm. and just like our premiums would go up like every single year. Mm -hmm. You know, pre existing conditions. Yeah, everything like that. So so I I I she had kind of like groomed me to fight health insurance companies. Yeah. Um, this is a whole other level because like. Like a single operation in four days in the hospital left us like three hundred thousand dollars in medical debt. My God! Um, Even with insurance, we were both insured. Yeah. Was, so she had Cigna HMO and I had Cigna PPO. Uh huh. Um, and and it was in network and we yeah. got preauthorized. And even with that, three hundred thousand dollars. Uh huh. Um, and so we, you know, so like, you know, she survived, yeah. got the tumor out. Yeah. Um, got to keep her lungs her her upper lung yeah you know they took out the left lower lobe but oh, kept her upper uh, lobe uh -huh, uh -huh. um only because we saw a specialist if yeah. we'd gone to the person in new york they would have taken the whole left yeah. side and they would have cut her diaphragm so uh -huh. she wouldn't be able to run yeah or seen uh -huh. or you know um, do anything, yeah. so so then we get married but mm -hmm. like when we're walking down the aisle mm -hmm. like between her between cancer and college we're like half a million dollars in debt yeah at like the age of 26 and so i'm like i can't I can't like I can't stay a teacher, right? You know, right. I'm making forty something. She's making twenty something, right? Like, and we're staring down the barrel of almost yeah, half a million dollars, half a million dollars yeah. in that. Like, what are we supposed to do, right? You know, so I started looking. I'm like, this is my dream job, but like, dreams got to stay on hold for right now because bills got to yeah. be paid. Yeah. So it's like, what do I do? Like, I can't, I can't afford to go back to school. Mm -hmm. Like the the shortest like education I can get mm -hmm. while making the most like. Learning programming, like yeah. going into tech. Yeah. So that's why I wanted. To, so I started looking at tech. Um, I would point like also like that. So like 
I think two months after we got married was when the Wild Canyon wildfires happened in Colorado. Yeah. And both of my families, my, I had to evacuate both of my parents. Mm. Um, so that was like my first experience with like climate change. Yeah, yeah. You know, like really intimate. No, your first experience was in Kazakhstan. I mean, you didn't, oh, yeah. you didn't connect no. it as yeah, closely, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, but that was Go like ahead. the first like acute natural yeah. disaster yeah. that like I... You were uh, personally... Personally affected yeah, by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that summer. And then November, that was like the other thing. Um, it was October? October was the... Um, uh hurricane sandy mm. and you guys were still in new york at that point oh yeah that, yeah. Oh, that was before that was before that mm-hmm. was before the cancer mm-hmm. was hurricane sandy yeah mm-hmm. so that was like a thing too of like mm-hmm. seeing the failure of the state yeah to like because like uh yeah like that's that that's the first time i got organized with occupy it was uh-huh. occupy sandy mm-hmm. who did like mutual aid disaster relief uh, because like we were going out to the rockaways mm-hmm. because like they turned the power back on in manhattan mm-hmm. and like and Wall Street, mm-hmm. but like the Rockaways and the projects, mm-hmm. they like hadn't heard anything. That's like, right. I remember like going like going up to this kid like in the Rockaways and him saying like, "How's the rest of New York?" Like you know, he thought that like everybody else had yeah had been without like utilities yeah. and like food for like a week. You know, so that was like the first time I'm like, you know, I was a freshman in high. It was my first semester of college. Is like when Katrina hit. Yep. Um, but I was in Montana mm-hmm. and like didn't. You know, I knew some people that went down to like mm. volunteer. I'm like, I should have done that. But mm. I was like, I was like either that or work on a film. And yeah, I worked yeah, on a film. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's know. what you were doing. The, the failures of the state and its institutions and its ability to handle disaster and or, you know, help people stay alive was in stark, stark relief because oh, of yeah. those three events yeah, in such sure. close succession. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So my friend helped me get like a, a gig at Google mm-hmm. and I didn't understand what a contractor was at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't, I thought like full time, if you're working full time, you're working full time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get what like temps oh, and contractors You were, were. TVC. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. a TVC. Yeah, I was, I worked at Google, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So I came in, I'm like, I made it. Yeah. I made it. I'm actually going to like be able to like, I'm going to be able to pay off this debt. I'm yeah. going to have good health care. Yeah. And then I'm like, Wait. This doesn't sound like the healthcare benefits the FTEs get. Yeah, like, that's right. This is like I'm like it's all through a deco, but you're still working on site. I'm like, okay, whatever. You right. know, no. I'm like 26. That's right. Never, no one, no one teaches you like, hey, when you're like, you know, like what I like TVC is, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so the you know, and I, I'm living in New York at the time, positions in Mountain View, mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm like, so I can come back to New York, right? They're mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, yeah, just. But just discuss it with your manager. Mm-hmm. And so like I and so like, you know, they called on Tuesday, had to decide by Wednesday mm-hmm. to start on Monday, you know, type mm-hmm. of thing. So I, I move out here with two bags. Um not, you know, just like, oh, I'm gonna go get trained for a week and come and work out of the New York office. Yeah. And I got on site, they're like, no, no, this is a Google X project. Yeah, you, like, you, you have can't, to be on site. Yeah, you have to be on site. Mm-hmm. You know, well, we we're trying to we we're like, okay, no, you stay in New York and I'll stay out here. But it's like I can't, I'm not making like if we're paying like you know, like we're paying for housing in in New York and mm-hmm. San Francisco is like, mm-hmm. and we have half a million dollars in debt. Like we can't make this work. Like mm-hmm. one of us had to, it's like, I'm like, you know, and, and you know, that's like a regret. It's like, so I was married, like my wife at the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like she, she'd just gotten her license as like a creative art therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, she like things she'd been working for for years, just gotten it. But it's like, didn't have like, you know, she's working in not, you know, working in a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I'm at Google, like, 
this is probably like for our financial security, like mm -hmm. coming here is probably better for us, like financially, like mm -hmm. long run. Mm -hmm. um, so she had to like leave after just getting licensed and mm -hmm. there's no reciprocity. Mm -hmm. So she had to kind of like start over from scratch here. Mm -hmm. No job, no money. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, were either of you getting any help from your families at this point? Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah, they were helping because I was like all like I was putting everything on like credit, credit cards. and they were helping. Yeah, they were absolutely they were helping. But mm -hmm. like. Um, and the biggest help was like my, my aunt helped pay for this like healthcare advocate. It was basically this like retired nurse who like worked, worked with health insurance and basically got like the, like a bulk of our claims to be covered, uh -huh. you know, so we didn't have to pay, but we still had to, you know, at the end it was still like $10,000, mm -hmm. you know, but you got it, it from 300 down from mm -hmm. her surgery. Yeah. Okay, good, good. But it took two years. Sure. And, and a professional know, working on it full. I mean, yeah. maybe not full time, but yeah, someone who knows how to navigate this whole thing, work on it. The whole and it's, and it's because, you know, like my, uh, because my, my stepmom has the financial resources to afford to pay yeah. someone to do that. Yeah. Like that, like, you know, I don't know, like if either of my parents would have necessarily, you know, it's just because of like, they know. didn't know you won't. I mean, how can you know, unless you, you, you don't, you don't know about these things until you need them. And even if you need them, you have to have the resources to afford them. You're you know, still at Google, at Google, but you're starting to get involved with surge. Mm -hmm. You'd move to the Richmond. Mm -hmm. I presume that was a more reasonable living situation. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. definitely. It was Much great. Better. Yeah. And okay. we had really great landlords that, mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as great as like the landlord, landlord tenant can relationship be. Yeah. can be. Sure. You know, like they, they um, were, yeah, but they were dog lovers and things like that. And so. you're still, but you're still on the bus mad long. Yeah. Five hours a day. A day working at Google as a TVC. Had your partner found work at that point? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And nonprofit, you know, okay. so sure, like, sure, yeah. Sure. And, but um, you had gotten your medical debt reduced, mm -hmm. but you still had her student loan. Yep. It, so and the credit card debt from like all the time that like all uh, of my money was going to like paint like good faith payments. Yeah. To like because we had so many debt collectors. Like I see. Every call we got was because like every different doctor. I see. You know that every specialist we saw got like because Cigna paid and then took all the money back. Uh, they paid all of them at first and uh -huh. then they like the loophole they did is like oh. Like she's under HMO, it's not covered under HMO. Mm. So that because it was she was a she was secondary on my PPO plan, uh -huh. but primary on her HMO. Uh -huh. So even though it was all Cigna, yeah, they're like, oh, you didn't. So we had to file every single medical claim mm. under her MHMO plan, mm -hmm. get it rejected, and then refile it under my PPO. Uh -huh. So the amount of like for that time span to take place, mm -hmm. like everything got sent to collections, mm -hmm. and so I was just making good faith payments. Yeah, sure. Um, in the meantime, and so then like. Everything that could mm -hmm. like be put on credit card got put on credit card, yeah. and then my entire salary was going to like debt, debt. payment or yeah. interest payments at yeah. that point, and rent and stuff. You yeah. know, just like yeah, living surviving. So, yeah, like, yeah. Um, but you got it. You had after moving out to the Richmond, you got involved with Surge, mm -hmm. um, and what else was going on on around that time in terms of your your life as it related to like political involvement or political awakening or ideological awakening? Um, I think, so Google Glass shut down mm -hmm. in um, March of 2015. Mm -hmm. And like the, the, like the one position I was offered was being like a content moderator. Fuck no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and so I'm like, uh, that, my, my friend, my friend's like, don't do that. Yeah. it's like you're basic yeah you're just bombarded with the worst grossest yeah nastiest yeah yeah mm -hmm. so it's like okay kind of so i went like i i'm like i can't do code mm -hmm. i can't like do like the programming thing yeah um and also like the generation of glass that i wore eight hours a day like 
like the FCC like made Google like destroy like tens of thousands of parents because it like violated FCC regulations. Ah. Because I had like the worst migraines or like headaches of my life because instead of a speaker, it had um, a bone conduction transducer, Mm-mm. which is like the same technology as like a inoculate ear transplant. Mm-mm. So it sent vibrations through your tem- no. Like, temple. No. So I was look at the eye stream of looking up at a screen uh-huh. like an inch above my eye. Um, Bluetooth, like Wi-Fi antenna, Mm-mm. Bluetooth, Mm-mm. hard drive, Mm-mm. and a bone conduction transducer Ew. shaking my temple eight hours a day, no, five days a week. Absolutely not. Wow. How do, I don't know how you, I do not know how you did it. Um, yeah. I mean, well, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I like, I, the only thing that could like make the headaches go away mm-hmm. was like, um, taking like whack, like, um, uh, cannabis concentrates like yeah. dabs yeah. and doing bond hits of dabs yeah. that's the like that's the only way i could like feel any relief of like my head not just like pounding for like months no yeah there's so much stuff but i'm gonna like focus it more on the political now because there's like other things that are <laughs> happening auxiliary right now but like what's some uh, of the auxiliary that's happening right now before we get um to the- uh just this phenomenon of like plastic shamanism Plastic like, shaman. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? It's like white people, like oh, like bitch. new age. Yep. I know. Exactly. Like we're gonna have to park right here. I know you want to move on, but I'm so sorry. I need to hear your thoughts on this, please. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's you're you feel uh, you're so you're so desperate for something more meaningful in life. Ah, you better tell the truth. Uh huh. You're looking for you're like like this. This isn't. This, this is isn't empty. the life I want to live. Yeah, that's right. I'm like a rat in this rat race. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, just like there has to be something more. Uh huh. And you're looking for like a spiritual home. Mm-hmm. Like, there has to be something has to explain mm-hmm. why like all of this cruelty and all this like messed up stuff is existing. Mm-hmm. Like I need to find something. And you know you're so you're looking for different modalities. Yep. You're trying to find a spiritual home. Yep. And the things that are the most accessible huh. are the ones that have been commodified huh. and marketed. Huh. And you're like, so you find something. So I had a friend say like, hey, this person, like I did um, this uh, holotropic breath work. Mm. Um, what the fuck? It's, uh, it's basically uh, creating like, a, um, like going into a trance state through uh-huh. like, um, through like, yeah, through breathing. Uh-huh. You know, it's something that like many indigenous cultures have done, sure. but you know, a Western doctor like named Stanos, um, Stan, Stan Groff, mm-hmm. um, basically studied it and then gave it a Western name, uh-huh. you know, like called it holotropic breathwork. And then there are these, you know, white folks, white folks doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure. I'm sure there's people of color that, that do it too. Mm, I mean, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I know but, what you mean. Though. So I found, so I found someone who, um, yeah. And like, this well, wait, is, are you saying you got caught up in some plastic shamanism or yeah. you, you pushed back against it because you had gone back home, back to Guam for a bit? What are you saying? Uh, no, I got, I got pulled into it. Cause like I was feeling, because I, you're in the Bay felt, and everybody I felt, gets pulled I felt it. like an ancestral pull and I'm wanting to connect with my ancestors, uh-huh. but there's no pseudo uh-huh. there's, there's not, a, there's not an, there's not a, there's not a community. There's not a communal, ah, there's not a culturally communal context for you to do that so the neck like the 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 uh, the most easily accessible heuristic is like plastic shamanism yeah yeah uh-huh. it's i can't google like chomoro suruhanu yeah, in the bay area yeah that's right and like find someone on yelp yeah. who's gonna teach me like the medicine of our people yeah that's you right. know um and the medicine's just on guam so i'm like i'm here i'm in the diaspora yeah like that's in guam like 
I'm going to find something here. Yeah. You know, and I found someone who's like, yeah, this breath works like this really powerful modality because it is uh-huh. because indigenous people have been doing it since time immemorial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under the context of like being yeah. in a village yes. with other, yes. like being with like, uh, with an actual, yeah. well, actually shaman's even like an appropriative term because yeah. that's only to like, I believe like it's like a indigenous Siberian. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't remember. So like my apologies, like, please let me know. Like everyone's listening remembers, but like shaman itself is like only used for one culture sure. that like some anthropologist turned for like any, yeah. any medicine worker, mm-hmm. like in any indigenous culture. So like, mm-hmm. to find, and I had a friend recommend um, this person to me and um, I was very moved because mm-hmm. it's, because the practice itself mm-hmm. of like having this spiritual practice where you you do like a, a very intentional, mindful way of breathing, mm-hmm. you will experience spiritual things, yeah. but it's not in a safe container. No. Um, and you can't do it with a trust the far end. I'm so sorry to say that. Yeah. But yeah, go yeah so this is, you know, um, you know, this, uh, this person saw it as like a way to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, they like. They, you know, they took like a Kundalini course oh, and they went God. to like one of these workshops and like, okay, I took, kun- I did Kundalini. I read Goop every day. I did my That Kundalini. type of thing. Yeah. You know, ah. but, but, and, you know, but when you're like, also like, I understand why people get pulled into that yeah. because you're so hungry for that's something right. more meaningful. Yeah, life. that's right. So that's happening. Mm-hmm. And also like, so just got back from Guam doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I start working at this startup. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, that I'm like, you know what? Like, I've done all these like mission-driven things. I've got to like, I'm like, I understand that's capitalist, but like, maybe I'll just be able to like, sure, redivert. You know, like something. Yeah, like, yeah. I'll, I gotta, I just gotta like recover. You know, yeah. like I don't know, justify. Yeah, I justify yeah. like doing this thing. I mean, you're um, you also you are a worker in a capitalist system, so you do need to earn an income in yeah. order to provision yourself. Because so. yeah, because I, I I've been disillusioned by like you know, like, uh, like for-profit education sure. and, um, other stuff. the other thing that like is also like making a huge impact on me at the time was digital detox and camp grounded. Mm. And that was like, that was founded by, um, uh, Levi and Seth Felix and Brooke Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy who like so ahead of his time, mm-hmm. like said like, yo, this is going to get really bad, really quick. Mm-hmm. Like we, like people are becoming addicted to yeah, their phones. absolutely. But this was, I mean, this was so- They were so, before their time. Yeah. You know, well, actually the guy who like Tristan Harris, mm-hmm. who's like pushing this whole Center for Humane Technology, he he was working at Google. He start he like, that seed was planted when he went to Camp Grounded. Uh-huh. So it was this camp that like, basically it was like all these, like a, it was like in a uh, summer camp for adults mm-hmm. where there was um, no technology, no work talk, like no ageism and mm. no substances. Mm-hmm. So like sober camp. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just this kind of experiment. You know, and these were, these were like, you know, uh, burners as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. you know? And so they're like, what happens if you do that? And it's like, people just like break down in tears and hmm. form these really intimate and have these really powerful experiences because they like are talking and playing yeah. and being in nature. Yeah. You connect. It's just like, it's such a transformative experience, mm-hmm. you know? So like I had that. Mm-hmm. So like, the juxtaposition between having, you know, dual monitors, smartwatch, Android, iPhone, tablet, mm-hmm. Google Glass on mm-hmm. eight hours a day. Because mm-hmm. I'm testing the app across yeah. all those platforms. Yeah. Yeah. To being in nature mm-hmm. was just like, oh, this is, you know, so like so healing. Healing. Mm-hmm. Um restorative. And restorative. Both. Mm-hmm. Both. Mm-hmm. Both. Absolutely both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that like one of the camps we went to. Like someone was planning to like take their life like the following weekend. Ah, and that yeah. like 
they went and they're like, I remembered what it felt like to be alive again. Mm. You know, like it had that, it had that just, it, it didn't have to be camp grounded, but we have to remember that like, yeah. once we get out of like this, like capitalist, yeah, like late stage capitalist hellscape mm -hmm. and go into nature mm -hmm. and have a intimate connection with another human being, mm -hmm. not saying sexual, yeah, just yeah, yeah. intimacy with yeah. another human being yeah. in nature and have an intimate relationship with nature. Like we can remember like who we are yeah, like, that's as right. people, that's you know? Right. And like what, what can exist mm -hmm. that we have everything we need in that's this world. Right. Everything mm -hmm. we could possibly need mm -hmm. is like here, here mm -hmm. already. Mm -hmm. um, even though now I, I do identify as a communist. Sure. You, know? you don't um, have to whisper that on this podcast. <laughs> Even now, I I'm nervous. This communist. is the first time. This is the first time I'm like publicly, like, publicly, like, will be like declaring it. Sure. Okay. Know? Say it like you mean it now. <clears throat> yeah. I identify as like a Chamorro communist. Okay. I don't want you to stumble over that. So I'm going to ask you to say that again <laughs> like you mean it. Yeah, I identify as like a mixed indigenous Chamorro communist. Boom, there we go. Yeah. And everyone will understand that. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what, who are you talking to? That's a, what do you think that's going to shock me? Get out of here. And then. What was know, the worst? What was the, what was the most concerning aspect of your foray into plastic shamanism? Um, that one of my classmates committed suicide. Why? I'm not what you know. Why? Um, because or what do you think this context yeah, was? Yeah, it's was? because it's it's it was doing it was doing spiritual work without the container. I see. You know, like you just like if you if you open yourself up spiritually, you can let things in. Yeah, that's like right. things can come in, and if you're not in a healthy container, yeah, it's really any all sorts of shit can get in there. Yeah, and yep. and and there's not a there's not a, a framework or a context in order to like process those or under, process those things or filter them like healthily or in a way yeah, that's not like taught discernment giving. yeah that's right come on yes there's not spiritual discernment, discernment. yeah that's you know right. that's and right. like that's why that's why having elders who have done this who yeah, pass it, you have to walk with elders yes you know yeah. like because they've seen like this is what you have to be careful for that's if right. you have someone who did a one weekend workshop that's not it that's not you it. You can't do no masterclass for spiritualism and you know, start putting people's lives like, in your- It's yeah. a pot, it's like teaching, like fine. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, we're all gonna fly a plane together. I'm gonna like sit co-pilot yeah. and then now just fly a plane by yourself. Right, after, no, like, that's one not weekend. how it works. You know, that's right. it's going like, maybe some people can do it. Like, you know, like who knows? But, but that, like, no, but just because some people can do it doesn't mean it should be done. Exactly. Correct. Yeah, yep. But then I, I heard of this dude like they're like, oh, I think I I saw a documentary with him. <laughs> I like heard this dude was running for president. Uh -huh. This like old guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I heard him like, whoa, now he's really saying all the things mm -hmm. that I've never heard anybody say mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. I actually even I didn't even know. I had never I never thought that education could be human right. Huh. I never heard the term healthcare could be human hmm. right. I never heard all this i'm like whoa mm. and so i went to this like enough is enough rally uh, um in san francisco mm -hmm. like in um and went to every single booth that mm -hmm. was there mm -hmm. um you know everyone you know passing out their like propaganda and i like, found the dsa mm. which at the time mm -hmm. was just like a bunch of like old white people sure you know sure. like like fall like fall 2015 i joined the dsa in fall 2015 because i'm like you were like everybody... a, you were a uh what do you call it you were an early adopter of an early adopter the younger wave yeah yeah oh yeah. for sure mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. um and then like man 
Bernie, like, so I still like, I still like, I was still believing in like electoral politics mm -hmm. at the time. Like, oh man. So I, I hosted a, I hosted like a debate, debate watch party up in Richmond. Uh -huh. Like the first debate, mm -hmm. you know, it's so like, that's like, and then like the, the thing where the thing, the biggest thing that got me on was like, he was the first person to like be against the TPP. Mm -hmm. Cause I knew, cause what I'd heard of was there's this death sentence clause in mm -hmm. the Trans-Pacific Partnership yep. where if um, basically like if a pharmaceutical company could have uh, a patent on a medication for like in perpetuity. Yeah. Um, and so a single medication was going to cost anywhere between like 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a year, mm -hmm. like for cancer patients. Yeah. And I'm like, man, as a reason, like as like a partner of a cancer survivor, mm -hmm. like I have to fight this. That's and he was right. the only one. So I'm like, that's how we, like, it was both, um, I guess my other thing was like internet, um, uh, net neutrality, uh -huh. like net neutrality, Media consolidation and then like um, and then healthcare. Those yeah. were those were ways like all of these things just starting to like overlap with like sure. these are my issues. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard Bernie talk about that, me and Teddy, I'm like, okay, I got to do everything I can uh, to throw down for him. For throw down him because it's like healthcare can be human right. Huh. Like we can do away with this system. Right. I didn't know that was possible. Mm. I never heard of these possibilities mm. before. Um, I never heard of like all of these. I I had never even like you know like had never dared to dream huh. that like these other things were possible. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have you know I I had like I'd heard of like I'd studied historical oppression, sure. but I'd never heard of like like modern dreams. solutions. Yeah, modern that, solutions yeah. to these things. Yeah. So I went. So I got evolved. Like so, then I started like volunteering for the Bernie campaign. I was like working like in 2016. Eight, in 2016, uh -huh. eight to five, mm -hmm. and then go home and like volunteer from like five to like you know. 12, 1, 2 in the morning, mm. like for months. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I was like, you know, training canvases. Yeah. And, well, and they came super late too. Yeah, they, they yeah, came yeah. Super late. But I was doing like, I was doing all of the online stuff. Yeah. Just like annoying everyone who like ever knew me. Sure. Like, you know, face banking strangers, just like <laughs> so into that, that campaign. Um, and I was, you know, really active like in the east bay community and i ran to be like uh, a delegate mm. as well so and i during was during the like, convention uh yeah mm -hmm. and so i was um i got like the second highest number of votes nice. like in east bay and i had such imposter syndrome because i'm like yo i'm like i'm new to the east bay sure like relatively and there's all these other like people around but like for some people like for some reason i think it's just my story sure you know like my story of like i like you know the what's happened to Guam mm -hmm. and like what happened to my wife. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fight for you. Like I like, you know, yeah. you know, like fight for them. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, people like I had a lot of passion and mm -hmm. I fought really hard and I, like I did the work, you know, I was like, I was knocking on doors mm -hmm. and like hosting canvases and phone banking and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So like I got the votes. Um, what did you, what was your, how did you make sense of what happened in 2016? How I made sense of it was I finally understood. And I'll say after the convention, the mm -hmm. convention is what solidified it for me mm -hmm. because like, that the convention, you know, they had been so used to it being just a coronation ceremony. Yeah. Um, and it just being, and it being like a made for TV yeah. production. Yeah. And the fact that people were coming to like protest, protest, yeah. Not acceptable. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, like I saw, you know, like people got like pushed down, like burning delegates get pushed downstairs uh, yep. and bruised. Mm -hmm. And, and um, uh, Joey, who was like an organizer in 2020, mm -hmm. like held up a sign that said, like, um, I, I, be, I support Palestinian human rights. Uh, he got like, like his credentials removed and put up in the nosebleed wow. section and like signed, confiscated. Wow. Um, and you saw the full nastiness of the DNC on display at the oh, convention. I saw, yeah. Well, because I went, I went early. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I went, well, because that's the other thing too. It's like these were all party insiders. Yeah. And for the first time, there's all these like working class and activists coming. Yeah. Who don't give a fuck about, uh, and I don't say this in a pejorative way, but I don't give a fuck about your decorum and your sense of, you know, polite manners. Bitch, I'm talking about healthcare. I'm, yeah, for yeah, sure. I, because they saw it as a life and death matter. Yeah, that's right. You know, because like, they were suffering. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and so like, I went early and it's like, like all of us had to like, because it's like, you know, it I, what, had to raise like $5,000 to mm -hmm, go, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. Which is by design, which is why only, you know, it's, 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 a, which is why the majority of people who go to these things are party insiders because these are the people who, you know, grift, <laughs> who, who the DNC is their grift. So to have these, you know, rambunctious outsiders that, you know, have to fundraise and, you know, crash on the couch to be able to even participate in blah, blah, blah. Like that is a huge like paradigm shift. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just saw, I'm like, I just like increasingly saw the concentration of power mm. and how many people were kept out of the process. Mm -hmm. And then just like, oh, you will do like, it's a, um, oh man. I, like this, I plan to like write down things that like, I, like things that like I know like were really influential, but I wanted to like, they're like, like uh, Frederick Douglass says it, like 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 they're never gonna like give away power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that, like that classic quote. But I'm like, power oh, concedes man. nothing without a fight. Yes, mm -hmm. thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, um, I just remember them like sending out a list of counter chants of like our chants mm -hmm. to like everyone else, yeah. and that like when we were chanting "No more war," they passed out American flags yep. and chanted "USA" over us. Yeah, to drown you out. Democratic National Convention. Yep. Yep. You know, they had like the white noise like mm -hmm. pumped in and like turned off the lights over our sections yep. so you couldn't see the signs yep. and you like held up. You know, because um, it was supposed because that because they had planned this beautiful in their minds this beautiful kind of uh, like you know soaring like tv narrative like everyone's coming into the convention you know there's a little bit of contention but you know you know over the arc of these several days you know there's going to be some unity and we're all on one page again like that was what they were trying to that was the narrative that they were trying to broadcast and portray mm -hmm. but what you didn't see in the background was all you know burning oh, yeah. people getting pushed down the steps and you know them coordinating i definitely wasn't a democrat before but now i could never be like a democrat like, but weren't you a democrat in 2020 um, I registered. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but not, I mean, no, I didn't, no, I had like, I had, in 2016, no, I'm like, I'm never going to like align Af myself. With you're saying after the after primary, the you were like, you were like, I am so disgusted by mm -hmm. what I experienced. I, I don't want to have anything to fucking do with the, with these. Yeah. Moves. Okay. Yeah. Understandable. And so then, and yeah, and then I'm like, I'm, I'm never, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do electoralism, like this electoral stuff, like anymore. That turned you and, off. Yeah. You're like. Like to, yeah, I'm like, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna like focus on the DSA, mm -hmm. you know? And also like, um, was like organizing in the workplace, mm -hmm. like organizing community, organizing workplace, mm -hmm. but like, you know, this, this is like, this is like a dead end. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the way, you know. Tell me why you felt it was a dead end at that point. Um, because it's like, because it's rigged. It's like. Tell me what you mean by that. <laughs> um. Like in terms of money, like any of the rules, they're just going to change the rules. That's right. For them to win. That's right. They're like they have the money and they, they'll just make the and rules. And they have the, the apparatus and of the, the power to yeah. change the rules. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this is, you know, like we, that was like our one shot, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, like I don't know when we're going to have a candidate like Bernie again. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, I'm not going to focus on a candidate anymore. I'm going to focus on like an issue. It's so like Medicare for all. Are, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that was your perspective 
after 2016 or after 2016 and 2020? 2016. Okay, okay. okay. 2020, I, I'm way more radicalized. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're going to get there. Yeah, I'm yeah. so sorry. I keep you talking. No. Um, about <laughs> no, no, no. About <laughs> politics. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, but when you say you're, you, you turned your focus, after 2016, after being disgusted at what you saw, excuse me, at the convention in particular, and you were like, okay, maybe electoral politics, isn't it? It's rigged. I'm going to focus on organizing uh, my community and organizing workplaces. What did that mean to you at the time? Yeah. So it's like, I'm not going to, you know, and I'm trying to find something that's like intersectional too, yeah. like at the time. What do you um, mean when you say intersectional? Like intersecting, like not just um, like, because like, I feel like racial justice was just um, like research was just like around racial justice, mm -hmm. but I was trying to like do like, for me, it means the intersections of like economic, racial, mm -hmm. gender, mm -hmm. like all of those different overlapping, mm -hmm. like like ways that like of like oppression. Sure. You know, um, it's like, it's just my my own like interpretation, like, kind of, you know, I learned it from, from my niece, mm -hmm. from my younger niece, like mm -hmm. what intersectional feminism is. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like it's, I feel like there's like all these, you know, competing factors. That's what, that's what, that's how I thought of it at the time. Okay. Okay. Um, it's like, I felt like it was like, which I guess is just more like um, multi, like multi-issue or something, you know? Like, it's like- I'm not going to bust your balls about this because this is, I'm not trying to take you to task here, but I think, I think the, um, I think the mistake or the, um, the clumsy analysis that we, I'm saying people of I'm black clumsy. mind like you and I. Yeah. No, no, What's no, mean? I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not, book, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is you. I'm saying this is kind of like just the ambient kind of understanding that I think does harm to us as leftists is by like atomizing people down to like the various, um, various different aspects or um, uh, uh, yeah, the various different aspects of their ascriptive identities as if like a working class movement necessarily does not encompass women. It does not encompass everyone. It's, mm -hmm. it's the 99% of us. So that necessarily means a, an array or a variety of gender. That necessarily means a, a variety of, you know, races, quote unquote, or ethnic backgrounds. That necessarily means, da, 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 because cause that is everyone. So it's like to, to kind of like distill people down into these separate camps. I don't think that, I think that that works against us in the cause of solidarity because it separates us into these these balkanized kind of ghettos where we end up like screaming at each other, even though I think the point is we are we all have the same interest and are working toward the same thing. Yeah. So like I'm getting involved in DSA, um, East Bay DSA, mm -hmm. you know, which just had this like influx of mm -hmm. like all these people joining and start canvassing for um uh, Medicare for all and mm -hmm. like SB 562 mm -hmm. the that was like the you know like the California Medicare for all mm -hmm. that was like you know that got you know of course like um, Shut down blocked by, by Anthony Rendon and the, the coalition of liberal organizations come on Planned Parenthood enemy of Medicare for all which is like really girl okay mm -hmm. yeah uh -huh. so like but yeah so that I certainly knew that but then I was also like um, you know like recognize like really like so my, I, had, I had my like class consciousness activated there and i was like dur during at with dsa um during the bernie campaign gotcha, 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 say, gotcha during gotcha. the bernie campaign uh -huh. and dsa no like they because the thing is like they provided like they had like socialist night school ah. and that was like my first introduction into like like actual like theory around uh -huh. like 
capitalism and neoliberals and mm. things like that. I'd never studied it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I never learned any of this sure. stuff. Um, and uh, and then I was like starting to like recognize like you know they're talking about like labor organizing uh -huh. and I'm like oh man this like startups are like really exploitive yeah um, and so something sprung up called the Tech Workers Coalition uh -huh. too mm -hmm. um, and I got involved with the Tech Workers yeah. Coalition mm -hmm. and brought all of my coworkers to like uh, you know TWC like protests yep. and stuff like that mm -hmm. um, and uh, the company I, I worked at do. Do you remember the name Lenetics? Does that name mm -mm. sound familiar at all? Um, so I was working at Lenetics at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I got laid off for being a troublemaker. Ah. Um, and then like a few months later, like one of the female engineers got laid off for just trying to like improve workplace mm -hmm. conditions. Mm -hmm. They like signed a letter in solidarity, like asking her to be reinstated. Mm -hmm. And they laid everyone off, like when they were trying to form a union. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's where I, I worked. That was yeah. the first startup I worked at. Whoa. Yeah. I remember that. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yep. Yep. Wow, wow, so, wow, wow, wow. so that was like, no, like, you know, I, I wasn't there for like when they were, when they were in talks with the communication workers of America mm -hmm. and like, you know, passing around the cards mm -hmm. and things like starting it. But I was like, I knew the environment and I knew every single person who got mm -hmm. laid off. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like following it very closely uh -huh. and trying to like- you Were know, you able to ideologically grab some of the former colleagues of yours that got laid off to like give them a context, you know, try and like organize them, you know, like uh, siphon them into some organizing structure that would kind of help them make sense of like what was going on and kind of like channel that ire i i assume is what they have yeah i mean they i there was like there's um oh i'm forgetting his name um there was someone who like was was doing that uh -huh. i wasn't doing that gotcha. a guy named bjorn was uh -huh. um so what were you doing after you got you got um kicked out from linetics um yeah i got laid off and um uh and then i start well so that, that was like that's um i didn't work from may until september of 2017 uh -huh. and during that time that's like when like that was like peak plastic shamanism and that's and ah. oh so i was um yeah so i was like i made a film with my friend um like a uh, my friend up in montana mm -hmm. and then i came back and i was looking for work and and doing that mm -hmm. um and then uh yeah it was we were went to um so i got it yeah i was just like looking for work like uh -huh, pretty much full-time uh -huh. too because it's like you need a job <laughs> you need yeah, a job get a right. yeah. um and uh when so once i got a job then like went on vacation with my um then wife's family mm -hmm. uh and it was like went to like charleston south carolina hey two weeks after bro charleston um bro. Uh, the massacre at the church no not not the church um it, no, Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Charlottesville two Virginia. weeks after Charlottesville. Uh, 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 uh. But you, when you get into the the Charlottesville airport, mm -hmm. that's the first thing you get off the plane. Yeah, and so I'm like, so like coming to that, just dealing with like, you know, my, I'll just say my my former in laws mm -hmm. were um, born and raised in rural Georgia, mm -hmm. and were sympathetic to maybe the other side in Charleston. They. Yeah, I mean they they didn't identify as white supremacists. Like we're not we're not. I racist, mean nobody does, you know. Yeah. But they're uh, yeah. The, it was they gave it was them a, a little. It ahead. was a challenging. It, we were not able to see eye to eye 
Sure. On that's you being very mm, diplomatic. I understand. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Um, so that so we're talking about that mm -hmm. when Hurricane Irma was coming. Mm -hmm. I think that sounds right. I can't, you know, there's so many now, right. you can't keep track. Um, so like we were the, season. like, so we had to like evacuate like Charleston. Mm. Um, Charlottesville. Char Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. No. Were you in Virginia or were you in South Carolina? South Carolina. So you, are you talking, so that's Charleston. Charleston. Yeah, we were in Charleston. After the shooting at the church. No. After Charlottesville. After Charlottesville. That's what you're, okay, okay, okay. You were in But there was, yeah, the, the, the Charles, there was a, there's a memorial to the Charleston shooting in the airport. I, that's, okay. So the okay. moment you step off the plane, that's what you you're were reminded. confronted yeah, with. I yeah, see, like I, see, I just, see. you know, like dealing with that, like, yeah, dealing with like Charlottesville, mm -hmm. like feeling that, mm -hmm. and then like going into the South where yeah. like there's all the Confederate flags and yeah. Confederate, so, you know, it's like different in the Bay Area to be processing Charlottesville yeah. versus being in the South. Yeah, the sure. largest like slave port. And, yeah, yeah, in the yeah in the continental U.S. Was yeah. it the was that the largest? I think so because that's what that's why they have like the they're, that's why they're putting the museum in there. It, it was like it, maybe it was one of the like because I feel one like of the Virginia largest, if not was the largest, probably had the big, anyway. But that's a large, neither here a, large. a large, <laughs> inhumane slave port. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's fine. Uh huh. One of the largest. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, just like, you know. Feeling like this, like this, like surge of like, I don't. Do you call it fascism? Do you? You know, it's white supremacy. Like you know, like all the terms, but just like that surge being there, like being surrounded by white supremacy, mm -hmm. and then a hurricane is like coming, mm -hmm. and on like as they're dropping us off at the airport mm -hmm. to like um, to like we got the last flight out mm -hmm. uh, before the hurricane hit. Mm -hmm. uh, find out that like our friend took their life, like mm. because of like working with that plastic shaman well ancestrally what do you looking back what do you think that all of this symbolizes i can't answer that on the spot mm -hmm. that's that's a deeper reflection mm -hmm. i mean I, i'm I, like i felt i felt yeah i got i've gotten out of a lot of like near-death situations mm -hmm. you know and yeah so i feel like i'm being taken care of mm -hmm. i feel like you know it's like you know they can't they can't control everything but man like i feel i feel like my ancestors like have a um, they recognize, they recognize the work I'm trying to do mm. and, you know, they're trying their best to like, keep me to like, like on that path of that work, sure. because like our language is endangered. There's mm. only 20,000 like native Chamorro speakers left. And in 15 years, it'll be down to 5,000, mm. you know, unless like we revive it, mm. you know, it's like our culture, like almost got what, you know, it's like the Americans were able to do to Chamorro culture, you know, in a set, you know, like. 50 years, mm. 80, 60, let's say 80 years, mm -hmm. what like the Spanish couldn't do in like 300, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, just in terms of like, you know, cultural genocide. Sure, so sure, it's like, sure. I'm, I'm, I feel like an, an enormous gift um, and not in the convoluted sense, like it is like, it is such a joy and a privilege. I feel so mm -hmm. grateful mm -hmm. and privileged and lucky that I get to like carry on this like tradition. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a huge responsibility because mm. like, my siblings aren't like mm. have no interest. I have so many family members that aren't like I'm the only one. I have yeah, like whole, one other cousin the way. that is trying to keep mm -hmm. our like language, just like just the language alive, mm -hmm. let alone like the spiritual practices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so mm. it's enormous responsibility. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I feel like because because they because they recognize that, mm -hmm. you know, they're mm. like 
things happen. I don't know. It's mm. it's I I still can't. That's 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 aniti aniti tau 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 taha. That's mm. like what are the ancestors? The ancestors mm. and like was human is human. Like mm. I don't understand how that like how what role they are manifesting. But sure. I'm going to be grateful every day sure. for like all the gifts that like I can understand. Sure, sure, sure. You know, and the ones I can't. Yeah, you know, just right. endless gratitude for my ancestors. Okay, so let me quickly try and fill in where he is with things post 2020 primary and general election. Number one. He is completely done with electoral politics. At one point during our interview, when I asked him to reflect on the 2020 primary, he completely broke down sobbing, um, recalling and lamenting how he, quote, gave people permission to believe. And he now feels like that was a huge letdown. And, you know, he's partially responsible for that. He told me he still plans to vote in the future, um, but his involvement in the electoral realm ended with the 2020 primary. He's very, very clear on that. Number two, he's extremely concerned about the climate crisis and what he believes that portends for civilization. For what it's worth, I think many aspects of Alex's current outlook are inevitable and are more widely shared than what people may even think. Um, if someone is witness to people not being able to influence the political process or their political institutions time and time again, the only thing left to do is turn inward. So since I can't fix our broken society, at least I know how to splint a broken leg in the event of a complete eco-social collapse or so the thinking goes. So I kind of get it. So that's that with Alex. Okay, that's all we got this week on What's Left to Do. Be sure to share and subscribe, please. And I will see you next week.